Hello again. This is John. Buckle in for part two of our talk about do what thou wilt and sort of expanding the conversation beyond Book of the Law and a couple other things into uh, magic without tears, but uh, still expanding upon the theme. So, welcome back to the Grey Lodge. about, again, we're talking about Aleister Crowley's book, um, Magic Without Tears, and, and continuing along the idea of do what thou wilt is not licensed to be a jackass, and, and being able to see and perceive that things from different cultures and different times are really saying the same thing, just in a way that is appropriate for their cultures or for their times. And we talked a little bit about the sort of times um, of Crowley. Again, didn't really get into a bio about him too much. I did sort of pontificate how much I don't really uh, like him as a person. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there weren't things that I think are, are pertinent and, and people can learn from and 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 get from and I think there are some ways some things in it that might be helpful translating either sort of esoteric things from the past or from you know what we in the United States or the United Kingdom or something like that might consider the East and so this might be a way to sort of translate that and, and have some of these things make sense and maybe make it so where it's not maybe as, you know, woo-woo, scary, or too much woo-woo, or, or ways that it can be accessible to people. I, I don't agree with the mindset of making things inaccessible to people. I like what Einstein was saying. It's like, you know, if you can't explain it to a kid, you don't know it. And I think that that has been something that has influenced the way I teach things like Tai Chi and stuff, where I, I will, I, I want to break stuff down into as bare parts as I can, and then build up. You know, I'll call it making like a cartoon. If you have a well-made, well-funded cartoon, you've got more pictures with more detail, and... And, you know, the, the 24 frames per second are going to have more detail and more frames, more fluid movement, more realistic movement. And that's going to make for a better cartoon. It's going to make for a better product. So I want to be able to strip things down. I want to be able to do stuff. And, and I want to be able to look at things and think of things in multiple angles. You know, if, if you think about, you know, the sort of capital T truth is, you know, out out over the thing and you're in a building. And each building, you know, and the building has, you know, facing that truth has different windows from different angles and they're, they're all different sizes. If all you ever do is look at it from one window, one small window on one angle, your appreciation of the whole is going to be very limited. You've got to kind of move around and, and look at things from different ideas and different sides and different widths and lengths and everything else like that. And again, I'm not a fan of Crowley as a person. I'm not in the OTO or I'm not a Thelemite. Not even in the Golden Dawn or any. I don't belong to any of this stuff. But I don't want... I'm tired of people using different things as an excuse to be jerks. 
and uh, again this podcast has a certain amount of you know I like weird and everything else like that and this is again the idea of being able to look at things from a foundational standpoint and what Crowley's saying here is the foundational standpoint of of really what a lot of sort of western esotericism especially in the last 100 100 maybe 50 or so years has really come across and uh, there are some parts of this that can help even if you're not doing magic even if you're just doing yoga or tai chi or meditating or just philosophy or you just are interested in weird occult stuff or philosophy or or anything else like that uh, there is some stuff there will be some stuff here for you so another thing he talked about in magic without tears he says quote for pure will let me go back you know again reminding everyone pure will isn't just what you want to do or how much energy you want to put into doing something will here is that essential true you that is connected to the universe and not just something created by your ego for pure will unassuaged of purpose delivered from the lust of result is every way perfect the unusual word unassuage is very interesting. People generally suppose, and that was from Book of the Law. Uh, so, so quote, it, quote in a quote here. He continues in the quote. The, the unusual word unassuaged is very interesting. People generally suppose that will is a slave of purpose, that you cannot will a thing properly unless you are aiming at a definite goal. But this is not the case. Thinking of the goal actually serves to distract the mind. In these few words is included the whole method without all the bombastic piety of the servile doctrine of mysticism about the surrender of the will. Nor is this idea of surrender actually correct. The will must be identified with the divine will, so called. One wants to become like an, a mighty flowing river which is not consciously aiming at the sea and is certainly not yielding to any external influence. It is acting in conformity with the law of its own nature, with the Tao. One cannot describe it, if necessary as, quote, passive love, end quote, but it is love, in effect, raised to its highest potential. We come back to the same thing. When passion is purged of any, quote, lust of result, end quote, it is irresistible. It has become law end of the larger quote so again the, the lust for result the the idea of I've got to have this this thing to happen and that will make everything okay that has got to get rid of in that again, again this sort of mixes in with Taoism and everything too you know the Tao that can be spoken of is not the true Tao if you are like, well, I am, um, I am going to become immortal. Well, there's so many words in there that are distracting you from reaching that thing. The goal itself becomes a distractive thing. So if you're, if your will, what you want, the greed, and that, and that, and that point in time, that small w, will, small w want is is greed at that point in time. And that's pulling you off that path. You know, like he says, the river doesn't sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to flow. Well, the ocean is that way. I'm going to go this way. Oh, there's a tree. I'm going to go around. No, it just goes. And the water acts in conjunction with its nature and way to act. If there's something there, it goes around. Eventually, it will wear it down and wear it down. And if the source is cut off, there's no more water that goes on. If the source is now inundated, like in the Nile, it overflows its banks. But it acts according to the nature of water. And that is what we're talking about. That's what the idea of will is. This also goes to the idea of lust of result is the same thing. I, I call it, what I kind of call it, and it's a way to to kind of get people to think about it a certain way is spiritual capitalism. You know, how many times and how many things, well, if you do this, you get to heaven. 
well that's a that's a result that's a lust of a result the only if the only reason and I think you know paraphrasing what was it Matthew McConaughey and uh, was a true detective you know if the only reason you're doing something is is because you expect some sort of reward then you're an asshole you know I forget who it was it was like you know you get your cookie you know if the only reason that you didn't hit somebody if the only reason that you didn't you know sexually assault someone is because oh God's watching and I'm going to get into heaven because I'm a good person well it's like you're not okay you didn't do those things that's a good thing that you did not do these harmful abusive things but don't tell me you're a good person you didn't do that because you still wanted to do that and the only reason you didn't is because you think that there's someone with a big robe and a big beard that has a scorecard and and they're checking off things on on your name and that's the only reason you didn't do it that doesn't make you a good person doesn't make you a good person at all that makes you a capitalist you know you I do this or don't do this you pay me pay me what I'm owed and it was like no, you're, you're not owed you know it that doesn't make you a a a magician it doesn't make you a Taoist or a Buddhist it doesn't make you a Christian or or Muslim or or a good Jewish person or anything no it doesn't do all that all it is is, is saying that there's a rule and you didn't do something because there's a rule or you didn't or you didn't do something or you did do something because you expect some sort of result well the people who are in tune with that true will with the universe or with God or with the Tao or anything else like that, those thoughts aren't there. Those thoughts have been they're just they're not paid attention to. They're, they're, they're gone. You know, and, and the idea of you're still going to have thoughts, you're still going to have feelings. We're human beings and especially if you're packed in a three-dimensional meat body, you're going to have thoughts and feelings. The idea is you don't identify with them those thoughts and those feelings aren't the true you and you can let them rise up and go away without real attachment is real non-attachment I should say is okay these thoughts these feelings they come they go and your sort of intent and your focus kind of is, that's going around them so it's sort of like a rock in the middle of a stream that's not being eroded you know, uh, even if the stream inundates and it's kind of getting flooded, that rock is still there. And then when the stream dies down again, it's still there. And things are flowing around it. It's not sitting there going, yeah, watch, this water's going to flood, and you know what? Once it does, man, it owes me. No, it's not thinking that. Or it's not thinking, well, if I let this water wash over me, God's going to reward me later on. I want what I'm owed by God. It's not doing any of that. So, quote, the point is that one trains oneself to react properly at any moment of surprise. It must become second nature, for do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, to spring to the forefront of the mind when one is introduced to a stranger, or comes down to breakfast, or hears the telephone bell, or observes the hour of the adoration. These are to be the superficial reactions, like instinctively rising when a lady enters a room, or at the other end in moments of immediate peril, or of sudden apprehension, or in one's meditation, one approaches the deepest strata. One need not be dogmatic about the use of these special words. One might choose a formula to represent one's own particular true will. You teach the mind to push your thought automatically to the very thing from which it was trying to wander. End quote. So, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, every time you meet someone, every time you do something or anything, you say this all the time. It's because that's going to be a little weird. It's going to make things awkward and, and everything. But even if you just think it, it's it's a think of it almost like a mantra. So if you if you've done as a transcendental meditation. You know, they got the, everyone's got their mantras that you pay thousands and thousands of dollars for someone to tell you what it is. And 
so yeah so it's got the like the mantra sort of thing with that sorry I kind of I kind of blipped out there for a second but there, there are certain things that you can do to be able to kind of reset your mind to keep it in that mindful sort of laser like state that's the real reason why people are wearing beads it's not just oh that's cool or you know some people might have it oh yeah because the obsidian does this or the uh, I can't remember all of them you know the lapis lazuli does that or the tiger eye helps me energy with this or something okay yeah but the real reason for the beads for like the monks and everything like that is that it's a reminder you know it's a way to get the mind to snap back to the state that you want it to be in again it even says you don't have to be a dogmatic about using these these words whatever formula represents your own particular true will so it's it's that consistent over time work to get the mind to train you train the mind not not the brain the mind you're training the mind you know kung fu or kung fu actually means special skill developed over time this is kung fu of the mind of the consciousness and again whether it's magic stuff or Taoism or Buddhism or you know even you know I, I, I from what I understand there's different indigenous practices that do this and all this you know uh, sort of stuff actual places that are actual civilizations like this will be part of of who you are and what you do and how you do it and everything not just sort of oh bloop, derp, 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 that we're kind of taught to be now and we want to to use this as a way to sort of hone the mind and hone the spirit with that um, so he talks about all positive must be a conflict with that inertia so the inertia of just sort of allowing your mind to be kind of doing whatever positive development is in conflict with that the positive development works through that it is the opposition between the magical path and the mystical we may therefore say fearlessly that all forms of progress although they make use of the formula of nature which have brought them to their present situation are attempts to proceed further on the way of the true will so all this stuff is a way to help us be able to reach that enlightened state you know, that's really what we're trying to do all these mantras and beads and accoutrement and uh, sigils and all this other stuff you're not going to fly you're not going to shoot beetles out of your hand you're not going to you know uh, you know wave your hand Jedi mind trick some some attractive woman to sleep with you you're not going to all of a sudden you know you know in the, in the circle you make you know huge piles of cash come up or anything like that or you wake up the next day and you're president of a company nah, 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 nah. all that is is stuff uh, stuff and nonsense and things around what all this stuff is meant to be for so he goes on to describe and again these these are all from different letters I'm kind of hodgepodging mishmashing stuff together excuse me, from different letters and everything else like that. So it's, it's not all from just one thing. And he says, quote, it is the Rosicrucian injunction to, quote, wear the costume of the country in which you are traveling, end quote. This is only another way of saying, quote, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, end quote. The object of this is not merely to avoid interference or annoyance, but to teach the mind to think down to the roots of the local customs. You know, so you learn also the great lesson of Thelema, that nothing is right or wrong in itself. As we say, circumstances alter cases. One trains oneself to adapt one's life to the impinging facts. To cut one's coat according to one's cloth. And it's, uh, there must be a perfect readiness of the mind to consider all the possible reactions to any given situation, to judge exactly how far one should yield and in what direction, and to act accordingly, but always on keen guard against the risk of snapping. 
Remember that the slightest sign of inelasticity means that the rubber has always perished, and that the test of perfection is the one can snap back to the original condition with no trace of stress to which it has been subjected. So there are going to be situations and cases and things with which you have to enact in some fashion. You know, it's not always going to be just easy, relaxful streams. Sometimes there are storms. You know, sometimes people throw stuff in the way. Things happen. People get sick. People get injured. You know, loved ones might perish. Circumstances change and you have to move house. You know, uh, work situation changes. You're in the middle of a big-ass pandemic, which is insane and continuingly insane. So, but part of the mindfulness of it is while those are going on, you still have the calm steadiness of, of mind and consciousness and your emotions to be able to react accordingly and appropriately. So almost that sort of eightfold path, the right um, concentration, action, understanding, speech, effort, meditation, occupation, and purpose. Uh, my teacher uh, created the, was it the um, mnemonic device COSMOP, C-A-U-S-E-M-O-P. That's probably the only way I can remember it. You know, those right things are kept in, in mind and aligned with the circumstances that you have. You get done to the best of your ability at the time at it, and you come back to that original sort of calm and elevated meditative mindset. You never, the ideal is you never really left that, but also that you know, once those some major stressors come, you you can resettle. And and again, that's that. This is what we're talking about. Even with magic, even with do without wilt, and all this other stuff. So he's going on, and I think this next part has a little bit to do with uh, some of what we were talking about with the idea of having it where that lust of result. So, uh, just got a couple more here. And this next bit, he's talking about, again, that sort of lust for result. Uh, it ought to be... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the moral is that such powers, so the stuff that happens while you're uh, working on what you're working on. You know, if you're in Taiji, you get maybe really good at push hands, or... Um, some sort of cool sparring thing that you can do or if you're you know you you get really in tuned with something in Reiki or even with magic stuff like cool stuff that happens is never the main object it ought in fact to be obvious from the start that anyone's true will must be deeper and more comprehensive than any mere technical achievement I will go further to say that any such endeavor must be a magical mistake, like cherishing a gun or a clock or a fishing rod for its own sake, and not for the use that one can make of it. Indeed, that remark goes to the very root of the matter. For all these powers, if we understand them properly, are natural byproducts of one's real great work. My own experience is very convincing on this point, for one power after another came popping up when it was least wanted and I saw at once that they represented so many leaks in my boat. They argued imperfect insulation, and really they are quite a bit of a nuisance. Their possession is so flattering, and their seduction so subtle. One understands at once why all the first-class teachers insist so sternly that the city must be rejected firmly by the aspirant if he is not to be sidetracked and ultimately lost. So what they're talking about with city is that sort of idea of the accomplishment, the attainment, the success, the perfection, uh, the enlightenment of it. So again, the result. So get rid of, again, that lust for result. And powers, again, when he's talking about powers with this, it's not the idea of, uh, you know, like spell slots in, in Dungeons and Dragons. It's not cantrips. You're not um, flying... Or, or shooting fireballs or any of this other stuff like that. 
you know, powers with this. There might be intuition that gets increased, you know, ability to deal with things or something like that. You know, I mean, uh, there might be some astral stuff or, or cool things in general, uh, interesting experiences with different things. But again, it, it's not Gandalf. It's not Dumbledore. It's not um, The Witcher uh, or, or, you know, um, some sort of evil sorcerer from a horror movie or, or, or something like that. We're not, that's not it at all. But there are cool things and weird and, and awesome stuff that happens and you can, it's very easy to get seduced by that. And again, the idea is that's not the point. You know, and, and this would even go as well, too, where, you know, you maybe maybe you're not in any sort of occult stuff. You're not in any sort of yogic or taiji practice or anything else like that. But you belong to a church and you, you know, you do stuff because people tell you you're a good person. You do a bunch of volunteering things and, you know, meals on wheels or a fundraiser, or you help out with the ritual, uh, or I mean ceremony, uh, uh, I mean mass or service, um, and you're doing it because you like when people say you're awesome. Oh, you must be a good Christian. Oh, you must be a good this. Oh, you're such a good person. You do this all the time. Well, if you're doing it to get that feedback, that's your ego. You know, that's, that's that lust of result. That's greed. That's pride. That's not the genuine work of what you're trying to do. You know, it is, it, I mean, it's this, and it's stuff like this, which is, is why, yeah, just, you know, farting off to the mountain somewhere in some little place and just sitting and meditating and chilling out and drinking tea and not having to get involved with stuff is becomes attractive as well because it's it's so easy to have that sort of luster result especially if something cool happens you know something really cool happens like I've had some really cool stuff happen some really weird stuff happen um, you know and and some things have happened with somebody else there too so it's like it's uh, and and we found ways to sort of independently verify what we we're saying and if, and if our our experiences didn't match up we said as much but there are times our experiences match it's like do you see that yeah i heard this this happened that happened this other thing or i messed around with this and you felt you know all sorts of kind of weird and wonderful stuff and that that I gotta tell you, there are times where that becomes kind of addicting. That becomes something like, man, I want something cool to happen again. You know, if me and my buddy, we, you know, we go to the metro parks in certain metro parks at certain times of the of the day or night, and certain times, certain stuff going on in certain circumstances, and when we have these sort of uh, things that that coincide together. And, you know, if we go, you know, 10 times, we might have at least one sort of weird or wild or kind of wow thing happen, you know, most of the time. Let's just, just for the sort of ease of things, we'll say ten, seven, 7 out of 10 times. Those other three times, you know, I might sit there and like, you know, I had a really good time with my friend. I enjoyed being in the woods. I enjoyed hanging out with my friend, and that was a good time. I'm a little disappointed we didn't have something weird happen. I didn't see something. I didn't hear something. We didn't feel something. We didn't experience something. You know, there's that little voice in the back of my head. It was like, this was awesome. I really would have liked something to happen. Or, you know, when I do my sensory deprivation floats and, and uh, uh, for that. And, uh, you know, I know... I, I, from what I understand, there's a lot of people that go into those. They keep the lid open and light on, and they're listening to music and all this other stuff. I am, I want complete shutdown, and I want that sensory deprivation immediately. I, I, as soon as I get in, I close the lid, I turn off the light. I don't want any entrance music to it. Just get in and let's go. And, you know, 
I've done it dozens of times now and there's been a few times where some really heavy stuff has happened um, some really sort of wild stuff has happened and there's been probably the majority of times where it's been you know, I just had a really good meditation got relaxed Maybe something hurts a little bit because it relaxed to the point where I'm, I'm working through some injury or pain, you know, or I became attached to a train of thought and followed that and all of a sudden the light pops on, the music comes up and it's over and I'm like, ah, damn, you know, and there's a part of me that's a little disappointed and part of it is, you know, I'm a little disappointed in myself and, and part of that has to do with, you know, my own issues with self-esteem and things like that but you know there's a whole thing where you have something happen a couple times it's really easy to want it more you know and that's one of the reasons I'm, I, I kind of I, I will talk to people about don't count on breakthroughs don't count on big huge crazy stuff happening because that will distract you and that and that will discourage you as well because if you're earnestly and honestly going through whatever process you're doing correctly and in an earnest manner lusting and being greedy after some big huge big thing you're going to miss everything else that's going on with it you know, was it from um, Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee? It's like a finger pointing to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you'll miss all the heavenly glory. This is what we're talking about where the journey, not the destination. You know, if you're, if you're earnestly practicing Tai Chi Chuan and for everything, for the, the health, the physical fitness, the meditation, the spiritual practice, the qigong energy work aspect the the push hands and the sparring and self-defense aspects and everything you're training all of that you know in the first couple months you might end up having wow you're like weird and and cool stuff is happening you're feeling different things that you've never felt before and something's really hard because you have to completely decondition yourself from what we're used to being conditioned with but you're doing it and it's fun and things are maybe starting to click a little bit and some stuff that's kind of hard and then you know after that is another year or two and you're practicing every single day and you're going to class and you're reading books and magazines and watching videos and talking with your teacher and talking with you know your your you know sibling students and other people and all this other stuff and it gets kind of into a rut and it gets kind of into a drag and maybe there's a few times in a few weeks where your practice is really rote and you're feeling like man I you don't you know the the high ain't like your first high anymore or something but then something happens you go to like a tournament or you have a push hands with your teacher or you you figure something out or you have a really good philosophical talk and something pops through you a little light bulb goes off and oh you're refreshed again with it and then you kind of realize well wait a minute if I hadn't done this other other stuff I never would have gotten to this point and this kind of ties in and this is again a little rant sort of thing this ties into the problem I have with everyone glorifying suffering we glorify suffering oh well if I hadn't gone through you know fill in the blank awful trauma then I wouldn't be the person I am today. I don't believe that. It might have, in some degrees, through your effort and your work, and that, the, the both wills, the sort of will that you have, as well as the capital T, capital W, I should say, will of your true self, through your efforts and your work to, to, to work on yourself and move past that trauma, you have gotten yourself to that point the thing is with trauma or bad instances or stuff like that there's like a splinter of that in your mind for a long time and saying that I couldn't have been this without that I think D 
depowers you as a person. Because if you got through that and you got stronger, you got more capable, you know, you, you sort of evolved through that, you were always capable of that evolution. Always you were capable of that evolution. The trauma might have fast-tracked it. The trauma might have been an inspiration for it. But that doesn't mean you didn't have that in you to begin with. And that's kind of my problem with our glorifying of suffering. We want to glorify suffering because we want to glorify being a victim. And if we're a victim, it's the, the, there's a whole thing Mulder in, in X-Files. There's an episode of X-Files of Mulder and Scully on this little island thing in like the swamp. I think there's some like gator monster that's after them. And it, the water is only like knee high, but they think that they're, you know, completely trapped on this little island. And, <laughs> sorry, Scully compares Mulder to Ahab in, in his quest for the white whale. As a side note, if you haven't read Moby Dick, it looks daunting, but it's a very good book. And and Mulder was like, you know, it's it's funny that you call me Ahab because I always wanted a peg leg. And Scully's like, come on, I'm trying to be serious here. And he's like, no, I am serious. I always wanted a peg leg or some sort of, you know, basically some sort of sort of disability that wasn't too disabling because you know the the perception is making it through the day is seen as heroic if you're sort of quote normal functioning end quote you're supposed to make something of yourself and our society has a very specific and narrow ignorant and kind of shitty view about what that making something of yourself is but a lot of people they want that victimhood they want that martyrdom you know, and we're, we're, what are we taught in this culture too? We're 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 a culture that glorifies martyrs. We are, and and we glorify suffering. And 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 in a way that that perpetuates itself in that manner. So. You know, it's it's harder to go through those evolutions it's harder to realize that you need to go through those evolutions if everything seems fine at least on the surface but that trauma happens and that illusion of things being fine is broken and then you're forced to deal with it but if people get better after trauma like I'm talking I'm talking when we're talking about like uh, uh, mentally emotionally psychologically psychically even spiritually or something like that you know if, if you know if you've got your arm off or something like that you know that's gone sort of thing but there are people that can um, uh, be able to achieve you know certain levels of sort of you know psychological spiritual things with that just but the trauma the abuse isn't necessary for that evolution and I think that I think it really ties into that greed for a result, you know, and the idea that in order to have some sort of progression and evolution as a person, there's got to be some big thing that happens. And the real progression, the real evolution isn't like that. So let's just look at evolution as a scientific thing anyway. There might be some big catastrophe. Uh, a comet impact that creates an ice age and another comet impact that uh, creates a huge melting thing like with the younger dryas um, what we're going through now with our artificially enhanced climate change wonderful really glad we're living through such times um, or or yeah fires floods any of this other stuff like that is going to cause changes to happen but changes still happen incrementally over time as well. And it's the same thing with our evolution and progress. You know, Taiji masters, you know, aren't just, you know, punched in the face really hard and all of a sudden they're able to take a deep breath and and not react in some sort of rage monster. And all of a sudden they're an enlightened Taiji master. It doesn't happen like that. You spend decades of practice and meditation and you do your stance training and your posture training and your meditation lying down sitting standing 
um, you know, making sure you're physically healthy enough to do all this other stuff. You put in your time teaching as well because there's a lot of evolution that happens when teaching. You got to be on for the other people. If you're feeling some kind of way and you're going in and basically taking it out one way or the other on your students, you're not learning what you need to be learning from that. You know, teaching is is a give and take. Yes, you're you're putting yourself out there to try and help other people or should be helping other people kind of evolve as well, but you're you should be, again, should be learning as you're doing that too. There's been tons of times where I've said something I'm like, holy crap, where did that come from? Or I figured something out as I'm describing something or doing something to try and help somebody else. And there's been million times where I've gone in the class and I've felt bleh for some reason. Migraine, injuries, um, my anxiety or depression is kicking in really hard or I've been going through something really heavy personally, but I still have to go out there and put forth the best sort of teaching product that I can because that class isn't about me. And the teachers who think that their classes and everything are about them are part of the damn problem. So, because again, that becomes part of that lust for result. That is that ego suppressing that true self being able to come out. So all the, the, the people that are, are sitting there trying to be like, well, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I, my will wants to be this and I want my name and lights and everything. Well, you're, you're missing the point of the work you're trying to do. So once again, you cannot use do without wilt and anything related to it as an excuse to be an asshole and a douchebag because it is absolutely, completely contrary to what you're trying to do with that. Uh, so the last thing I'm going to go with here is not only does it seem to me the only conceivable way of reconciling this and similar passages with, quote, every man and every woman is a star, end quote, to assert the sovereignty of the individual and to deny the right to exist to class consciousness, crowd psychology, and so to mob rule and lynch law, but also the only practicable plan whereby we may, each one of us, settle down peaceably to mind his own business, to pursue his true will, and to accomplish the great work." End quote. So again, the, the idea to me, the idea of every man and every woman is a star goes back to that idea that we talked about previously about love, capital love, capital L, being the true interconnectedness of all things in the universe. All sentient, conscious things in the universe. I didn't say people, anything, because again, if we come at it from like an animist point of view, it's not just human beings other stuff too. Animals, trees, rocks, the planet, planets, other things like that. So as if we're all a star, if we're all made of that star stuff, which was like Carl Sagan's line, I think, then that, that gives us even a physical, but also is the, the spiritual symbol for that actual interconnectedness of, of everything. And but at the same point in time, everyone has their own individual path with which that they have that conversation and, and relationship with the universe. And no one has the right to deny somebody that. No one has the right to impinge upon someone else's right to be able to have that relationship with the universe to be able to do that work, to be able to figure out who they are and what they are, and to be able to do it in a, in a safe and, and uh, valid way for themselves. So again, like saying, you know, well, what you're, the, the class consciousness, crowd psychology, the mob rule, the lynch law, you know, if someone, you know, someone's the weird kid or something like that, you don't have the right to persecute them because they're doing something a little different than you. You don't have the right to infringe upon someone else's rights. You don't have the right to infringe or impinge your view of things onto somebody else. And just because people in a group might agree that this one thing doesn't mean that something else is 
wrong or better or anything else like that. And this includes, you know, people who are like, well, my own path involves, you know, having sex with 12 year olds or something. No, because you're impinging yourself on that other person. The work you do for your spirituality is not going to be something that is traumatic to anyone or anything else. Really, it's the, the, the trauma it's going to do to you is shaking up and getting rid of those ab- abusive thoughts, whether to yourself or to other people. It's going to be getting rid of, of, of the sort of problems and the ego. It's going to be integrating that dark side as opposed to now trying to use that as an excuse to abuse and harm somebody else. So using the group or, or you know, something like that to basically bully people into your realm of thinking would be wrong in this as well. And, and but also being able to, to say that your individuality is an excuse to do something that's abusive is wrong as well. Because the, the, the proper application of these philosophies, these spiritualities, the psychological, psychic development, all these other things, regardless of whether it's considered a cult, regardless of whether it's considered religious, regardless of whether it's considered meditative, or anything else like that, the true thing that pretty much everywhere in the world, indigenous in the Americas, in China, Japan, India, the Middle East, ancient Egypt, uh, indigenous peoples of Africa, Western magical practices. If you get into what the Abrahamic cults are really actually saying and the things they're based on, all this stuff is saying the same damn thing. There's this, there's this underlying truth to human culture, regardless of where it is. We all have different names for it. We all have different words for it. We all have different lingo with which that we try and and uh, communicate it to the next generation with. But it's really, you don't have the right as, as a group to harm people or to bully them or to infringe abusively on them and the individual doesn't have the right to use their individuality to abuse other people or the group or anything either and but as as important as we are and interconnected as we are as a group the work to feel that and understand that and to evolve is an individual one and regardless of how much you might love your family or your spouse or anything else like that the work to be a better person is really yours there might be someone who's maybe a certain catalyst in your life or an inspiration or you know you might want to be a better person for this other person but you are still the one who is doing the work you are still the one who has to do the work and if you're a little different than the group the group doesn't have a right to try and abuse you into making you just like them. And you don't have the right to abuse other people to make them fit what you think that you're supposed to be doing either. So no, as much as Aleister Crowley's life might have been a contradiction to his words, and as much as other people since, or even during his lifetime, let alone since, have taken those ideas um, and done with them what people have done with ideas from all over the world, whether it's Christian or Muslim or uh, Buddhist or Taoist or indigenous in some way and and then be and adapting those things in harmful ways. It is not fundamentally an excuse to be a bully, to be abusive, 
to create trauma for other people. You know, and uh, we've got a lot of people out there who are trying to use um you know certain ideas and certain and certain things to to pressure and bully and and that we and we have some people that are are using those things in terms of well I'm thinking of the group and if you're not thinking like me the way I think about the group in that and in this day and age you're a nazi if you don't agree with someone, you're a Nazi. Everyone's got that. The the right is calling the left Nazis for something. The left is calling the right Nazis for a whole lot of stuff. We got all the woke social justice warrior virtue signalers out there. Anyone who's not as intense they are about it are Nazis. And, and everything else. And then there's other people who don't want to have anything to do about that. And they're out there, you know trying to not do harm but because they're not yelling as loudly as other people then they've got to be for the other person too our our separation in our society now is very distinct and as much as we've progressed in a lot of ways over the past 60 years or so 60 70 years and especially in the last probably 20 or 30 more than even the previous 20 or 30 and I don't mean progressed in terms of technology and like computers and TV screens and blu-rays and stuff like that I'm talking about in terms of the fact that you know many more people who are you know LGBTQI plus can can come out and have uh, without being murdered and you know there's there's a much larger conversation about that it was like oh well there's a spike in this they didn't exist before yes they did but either they didn't have the language for it and didn't understand it so we're living a life of, of sort of confusion and a lot of times again that that's where a lot of that group bullying comes in where oh well you're a deviant if you're thinking other anything other than what this white nominally straight nominally Christian person was saying if you're deviating from that you're a deviant you know and that's that group bullying thing with that so you know language with that you know we can you know um, things are coming out now with like stories and and there's more representation on TV and movies for uh, people of color indigenous persons are, are getting more of a message out there about the horrors that have been done to them. We're actually talking about things like colonialism and imperialism in ways that they need to be talked about and, and dismantling them uh, and things like that and all that. So, you know, there's been a lot of progress, but there's also within that progress a lot of the same shit, different day. And within that progress, that sort of reach of, of that sort of tribal fear-mongering sort of ignorance and hate and anger. And it, it's anger and fear and self-loathing that people are transposing onto other people. Time and time again, whether it's been religious things I've seen or even in a sort of, you know, woo-woo, witchy, pagany, light and love sort of thing, or especially in mental health, you've got people who are very aggressive in the realm of this sort of rescuing and, oh, light and love, I'm light and love, I'm light and love, and if you don't, I'm sort of thing. And they, they're so aggressive in being in one mode that it's clearly covering up for them being in a lot of pain in a lot of other ways and they're covering up for that where they think that oh if I do this then I'm a good person if I rescue this kid from you know after they physically and sexually abused all these other people if I rescue them from that and make it someone else's fault then I'm a good person 
or if I just go light and love all the time and I've got crystals and tie-dye on me all the time then you know when I'm really screaming at someone and abusing them verbally it's okay because I'm in the light of angels I've seen tons of that and you can use positive things for just as much abuse and trauma as as anything else and that goes and again that's tying in directly it's it's everyone's thinking oh well I'm doing this because it's it's really who I am I'm just saying I'm just giving my opinion well actually it's all that's the same damn thing again it's the same thing but with different words and just because someone is using different words than somebody else they might not you know they might genuinely be disgusted by uh, racists and bigots and stuff like that but that doesn't mean that the trauma they inflict on other people isn't just as traumatizing it's still trauma so being a hyperbolic confirmation bias social justice woke virtue signaler might mean you're just as traumatic as this sort of ignorant bigoted bastards who are trying to perpetuate the mindset and the culture that you say that you're fighting against you know there's a lot of things that are two wings of the same bird and people's outward mask surface intent might seem to be okay but their actual intent is really coming from a really kind of rotten place and there's a lot of people in the whole spectrum of everything that's going on the racists, the bigots uh, the physical, mental psychological, sexual abusers and some of these other people that are woke about stuff there's a lot of people that are coming from a lot of places of a lot of internal hate and anger and violence and they're taking it out on other people tactics might be different but when you strip it down a lot of the thing is very similar conditioning and an unwillingness to actively look at their own traumatic behaviors honestly Yeah, and, and, and that comes from, you know, not doing the work to and for yourself. If all you're doing is yelling and screaming about whatever, and you're online yelling and screaming about something, you're talking to people yelling and screaming about something, what are you avoiding? you know what part of you know what part of that star that you are what part of that true will that true doll that true nature what are you covering up people need to look at that a lot more than they need to be yelling and screaming about a bunch of stuff I think right now I think this you know pandemic might have given a lot of people an opportunity to sit down hunker down and and sort of really look at a lot of who and what they really really are and most people kind of haven't done it. All it's done is is create stagnation. And if there's stagnant water, it becomes it becomes undrinkable, and and nasty nasty things start growing in it, and it starts to smell, and it starts to leave a scum, and things are bred in it that aren't maybe as helpful to us as people so I think yeah I think a lot of people have a lot of opportunities for a lot of things and we don't do it so whatever it is that you practice practice it with that intent to really be able to bring up the real stuff in you and of you 
not just the the mass stuff that you can yell and scream about but the real stuff in you and and acknowledging if there's a mental health issue great what are you doing about it you know is what you're doing about it just posting stuff online you know are you taking pills if you're taking pills you're also doing the therapeutic work that goes along with it uh, if you're not doing either one of those are you being more harmful then to yourself or others you know and that and and there there are some diagnoses where that's the thing if you're a personality disorder that's one of the things everyone else is are the ones going to therapy but if you're a personality disorder and you know it you have a responsibility to act I guess sort of not according to that and if you just allow yourself to feed into that all the time and blame everything else well you're kinda at fault you know again it's personal responsibility and that that with that individual sovereignty of ourselves and our consciousness comes the responsibility to be able to wield that sovereignty in the the correct and proper way for our own evolution and our own evolution helps evolve everyone else too so the more that we can practice correctly whatever modalities those are that that is the vehicle that feels most correct to us or the combination of things that we can build our own vehicle with our own evolution our own incorporation and integration of shadow with regular consciousness our own correct true work of our will with our psyche our psychology our intellect our behavior and emotions the more we can do that the more we are going to help elevate the group as well now, as of now we've got a, everyone just thinks they've got this real surface area answer and everyone's got to be beaten into submission to think the way they do and that's going to evolve us it's not because all that is is just going to create the same shit that we've been in for you know centuries the real evolution of the species in the world is not going to come from browbeating people it's going to come from people honestly really doing some real work in and of themselves and you cannot use other things as an excuse I don't care if it's a religion I don't care if it's Crowley I don't care if it's uh, social whatevers you can't use those things as an excuse to not work on yourself as a shield to not work on yourself and you can't use those things as a tool to abuse either you can't use family values you can't use um, patriotism er, and you can't use your family well I'm well that's well I'm I'm your you know fill in the blank mother father or that's your uncle or that's your family so you have to do you have to take this abuse no family country society religion none of these things are a, a good excuse to abuse other people so yeah uh, that will conclude uh, my little talk about do what thou wilt again uh, I do like to repeat myself but again I am not condoning Aleister Crowley's life and his uh, many 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 of his choices because again we're talking about someone who misused certain things for their own sort of abusive gain I'm not talking about that I'm talking about this you know this sort of specific thing and at least the oh what's it called the lip service that was given to the the things that he learned and at least on, on some level practiced okay so uh, I again am John I really appreciate you listening and if you've hung in this far you are a you are one hell of a trooper I gotta tell you that that's the truth 
so thank you very kindly thank you very much um, on, on wherever you're at please like and subscribe I'm also on YouTube under John Cosma C-O-S-M-A please like and subscribe with all that stuff too uh, and you know I wish you I genuinely uh, wish you all the best and I wish you peace and I uh, wish being able to contact whatever that is that you want to contact and 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 positive good awesome evolution for everybody thanks love you guys bye